Welcome to the Shamanic Author Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. Are you a coach, holistic, or spiritual entrepreneur struggling to write your first book? The Shamanic Author Podcast will help you release that resistance inside yourself so you can access that state of being that writing requires. See, society has it all wrong. From a young age, we're told that we have to have the house, the degree, the fancy car to be happy. But the truth is, we have to become that state of happiness, and then the material success follows. You're human beings, not human havings, right? So I'm so excited for this episode today. Let's explore energy, alternative health, first-time author challenges, and book publishing marketing strategies. If this sounds like you, I want you to head over to mountainmindtricks.com slash ultimate-guide for a free ultimate aspiring author guide. There's three steps in there that'll teach you exactly how to write a book that makes a big difference in your spiritual business, in your holistic or coaching practice. And if you want to know when the next episode is live, get updates and learn more about the shamanic writing process, follow me on Instagram at mountain underscore mind underscore tricks. That's mountain mind tricks with underscores. Follow the podcast and subscribe to the show to make sure you get the notifications when I release new episodes. Wow, this was such an amazing interview with Dr. Brent Satterfield. I am so excited for this, for him to share his story with his out-of-body experiences, the book, uh, the just how much transformation he went through and the way he went into heaven and spoke with Jesus and God and, and angelic beings and the expanded consciousness that he comes from now. And, and I'm just so stoked and excited and this interview was so amazing. It was uh, so awesome to talk to somebody that had a similar or somewhat as profound type out-of-body experience, and it was great to connect with him, uh, and and I love the episode. It was just, I would say it's like top 10, top 5 episodes I've ever done, so you're going to love it, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Shamanic Author Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, and I am so excited for my guest today, Dr. Satterfield. And Dr. Satterfield, can you introduce yourself and just let us know how you, like your journey of how you got into out-of-body experiences, how you got into the spiritual realm, and and really how this transformation happened for you. And, and just let us know like where it all started, right? I think it's a complicated question anytime you're talking about the origin story, because there's so many factors that play into who we become as adults. But uh, for me, I had a very troubled teenage life. And, you know, I, I passed through some time where I was suicidal, I was deeply troubled. And during one of my um, drug-induced experiences at that time period, I had an experience with what uh, what you might call God. I, it I felt a profound peace envelop me, just this, this overwhelming love, peace, acceptance. Um, and it gave me some kind of direction in my life where I shifted from focusing on well, everything that I had been, all the negative, 
to looking for understanding of what this life is really about, trying to find meaning in it and looking for answers. So, you know, I spent the next 20 years of my life in a uh, Christian religious understanding, uh, just deeply engaged in understanding everything I could about the Bible and about uh, Christian tradition. But it wasn't until more recently that I started to have out-of-body experiences that, you know, very similar to near-death experiences that led me to the other side to have experiences with the divine in ways that started to free me from the, the traditions I'd inherited. Uh, whether those were religious traditions or societal traditions, but just to see something, to feel something, to experience something that was so much beyond anything that I had words for that I, I just simply couldn't go back into the boxes that I had been part of before. Oh, wow. That's so amazing. And, and I do have a couple of questions here and, and I want to, I just want to make sure we're really clear because I think it's so important of like, like what kind of doctor are you? Like what, like is your classical training? And I think this is so important because we are talking about this esoteric topic of out of bodies, near death experience, those kinds of experiences. And I think bridging the gap of, of Western and more, more of this um, quantum field type thing that's happening. Um, I would love to hear like kind of your background as a doctor, like where that came in. And also this, this first experience, this first experience, was it like psychedelics or was it more just kind of other, other different drugs? I, I would love to just um, ask you that specifically. Okay. So the answer to the first question about my background I have a PhD in bioengineering from Arizona State University, and I was a fellow for the Department of Homeland Security, which means that they paid for my schooling and then sent me around to different national security labs to work on sensors to detect bioterror outbreaks. So this is following 9-11, you know, looking at anthrax, looking at other things that might be put into the water system or the air supply or something else. So I've spent a lot of time um, developing DNA diagnostics. I've spent time traveling around the world, working with um, the governments in other countries to try to lower the cost of healthcare. So always very passionate about making an impact in the world. And you know, I, <clears throat> I understand enough mathematics to be able to get into the quantum physics and to really enjoy that subject, but that's not my background. I, I know just enough to be able to, to be conversant in it. The, as to when I was 18, my first experience with God there, this was not the kind of out-of-body experience that I had later in life. It was just a connection. And yes, it was on hallucinogens. And I just I hit a point where just everything uh, fell apart for me. And I... I felt so much pain. I, it just felt like I couldn't be free from it. And so I found myself calling out for the divine to intervene. And it was in that moment that I felt this, this loving peace just envelop me and hold me. And it was sufficient that it, it changed the entire course of my life. I went from being very atheistic in mindset to uh, entirely focused on this idea that there, there is something out there. 
and at the time I didn't know what it was. I just, I wanted to answer the question. And so I've spent the rest of my life devoted to that, um, to that search, to that understanding. Oh, thank you so much. That is so amazing. And, and, uh, I guess this, this search for a divine that kind of enveloped you in, in connecting with, um, with the Christian, you know, um, the Christian churches and, and things like that, like in this setting that you were in, I'm curious if, if this first kind of major out-of-body experience later in life, like the, the big one that, that we talked about off air already, um, did that, was this, was this kind of hard and, and that it kind of started peeling apart some of the beliefs that you had or how was that, was there almost like this identity kind of crisis in a way when that like major experience happened for you? The first one, there really wasn't much of an identity crisis that took place. The, the thing is about um, the experiences on the other side is that they're loving and <clears throat> being loving it's almost like there's this, this kid gloves approach to the way that you identify with the world, the way that you identify with your religious beliefs. You know, in, in years since, I've gone back and read hundreds of near-death experiences where people have met God. And one of the things that stands out to me is that it doesn't matter what religion they come from or what culture they come from. God never once looks at them and says, you got it wrong. You know, you're in the wrong one or, or you need to, to, to change or do something else. He they're, each one is met with their understanding and they're given an understanding that, that supports their worldview in, in many ways. And so likewise, my first experience on the other side uh, was with Jesus, you know, and so I, I did have an interaction with him. And if anything, it kind of supported or bolstered uh, my Christian ideology. But there were some differences, some really major differences that it didn't really click until after the experience. And one of the major ones was that the love that I experienced there was unlike anything that I'd ever been taught in a religious setting. And, you know, don't get me wrong. You go to church and they're, they're always talking about God's love, but it's always got this undertone. But if you don't do it the right way, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And the experience that I had with Jesus was totally opposite of that mentality. It was an experience of absolute love, absolute acceptance, and in such a way that there was this understanding that filled my whole being at once, that there is no judgment, that the only judgment that there is, is our own. And that is the only judgment that we need to be saved from. It's the judgment that prevents us from feeling God's love here and now. It's not God's judgment, it's ours. And so that shift in understanding, it seems so natural because in, in the experience on the other side, I'm having this beautiful experience and feeling love in ways that I just, I'd never comprehended before. Because, because we don't use that word right. The word love here in this world is a word that we assign meaning to based on our experiences. And where do those experiences come from? From our caregivers, from our parents, from our, um, our family members, our friends, the society around us, uh, later in life, our lovers. And yet never once is that word ever used in the way that it is experienced in, in divine presence. So just to experience that love and comprehend that 
there is no fear in that space. And by virtue of the fact that there is no fear, there can be no judgment. Because if there were any possibility of judgment, there would still be fear. It, it upsets or disrupts the entire notion of conservative religion in this world. Because all of a sudden you're experiencing a heaven, a divine love that is not based on judgment. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the liberation from all judgment. Wow, that is so powerful. And I love this idea of, um, I think through my own out-of-body experiences, and, and, and I think we'll go back and forth here in a bit about about our experiences, but I can total. I know what you're talking about. This this love is so divine and so pure. It just um, it takes over your entire body, your entire being, your entire spirit. It's like so enveloping. It, you you can't really put words to it, right? It's like this love is like so universal, and um, so I I just want to say that I hear you and I really appreciate what you're, what you're saying, and and I think. I would love to just kind of back up a little bit to like, how, how did this out of body experience happen to you? Because I think that story is really interesting and really powerful because it, it, yeah, I would just love to hear, I think the audience would love to hear like, how, how did you get into this like major out of body experience later in life? Like, what was that story like? This is a, you know, long and detailed story. And I share pieces of it in my newest book, Bringing Heaven Home. But um, the, the shorter version that we have time for here on air today is that, you know, as I mentioned, I spent most of my adult life searching, kind of seeking for understanding about God. And I had a very living Christian faith. So, you know, I'm like a lot of people who, who show up and go to church because it's like a it's just part of their tradition. Uh, for me, there was always this belief that I could communicate with God because it did start with that enveloping peace, that answer to, to prayer, if you would. And there was also this belief in me that um, you could, in fact, talk to Jesus. But this was something, it just was so ingrained in me of like, I'm going to meet him someday. And so I just believed it. And and I'm... Back a few years ago, I was approached by a woman who'd had a series of near-death experiences. She'd had four in total at that time, the first one being in a, a plane crash, and then the other three coming as, as a, uh, by way of complications from the injuries she had in the plane crash. And so she had seen God in each one and came back with this ability to help people cross over to the other side without having to die to get there. And I didn't know her at all, but she approached me one day and told me that she was supposed to work with me. Um, told me that it was about God, that it was, and so, you know, I was in a state of um, someone who just accepted <laughs> and felt in my heart that, yes, in fact, I should meet with her and something beautiful would come out of it. And I really didn't know at that time what it meant that she was supposed to work with me. But as she explained, um, as time went on, that she'd had this gift and that she was going to help the part of my mind that was separate from God um, to relax, to let go. And she explained that that was the part of the brain that dies during a near-death experience and that she'd been asked to help me cross over and have this experience because it was going to impact my life and the way that 
it would then go on to impact the lives of others. So during one of our visits, I had this overwhelming feeling and it was such a strong feeling from the center of my being that I could actually see what I was feeling. And it, what it was, was that I, I felt like I had a piece of this woman's heart and, and I didn't know how I might have a piece of her heart or how it was that I might be supposed to give it back to her. But I saw in my mind's eye, my hand going out and then placing it securely over her heart, just, just on her chest. And so without even thinking about it, I began to reach out as if to put my hand on her heart and then stopped and thought, wow, <laughs> you know, I don't know how she's going to feel about me putting my hand on her chest. And so I stopped and she saw what I was going to do and just grabbed my hand and put it squarely over her heart and said, that's exactly where Jesus puts his hand. And then no sooner had I put my hand on her chest and there was this explosion of energy inside me. And by explosion, it felt like pins and needles all over my body, except it was so much more intense. Like if you could take that pins and needles feeling and just magnify it, but not in an unpleasant way. It was like uh, almost like a divine electricity, if you would, just coursing through my body to where everything went numb and I couldn't feel the boundaries between myself and the world around me anymore. And I, there was also a, a transition where I could hear her thoughts and I could, it's like, I couldn't tell the difference between her thoughts and my thoughts. And it was very disorienting. And so I asked her, I was like, what, what is this? What, what's going on? And she explained to me that that was the feeling that you get right before you cross over, that there was this, um, this intense energy that, that came right before the spirit leaves the body, right before you cross over. And she told me to lay down and that she was going to use her gifts to help me go the rest of the way. And so that was the beginning of that first experience. Wow. That is so amazing. And, um, what a beautiful, I, I, I want to get into like what you saw or experienced for sure. I want to get there and, and there's, um, before we get there, I want to ask you really specifically, um, because this is something that came up for me and actually, um, one of my friends, he's, he's like more into like DMT and is like a psychonaut type thing. But what he talks about is that this feeling when the DMT comes on, it's this same feeling of this, what I experienced of like this pins and needles. Like for me, it was like this whooshing sound, like so intense. I felt like my body was going to blow apart and it's like this electricity that is so it's almost overwhelming. And, and I just, I, I want to ask you if that resonates with you. It's almost like this, um, like it almost feels like the molecules in your body are moving so fast that you're just going to explode into nothing. Right. Is this yes, kind of what exactly. it felt like? Yes, it yeah. uh, very much that. And, but not in a unpleasant way in a, in kind of a beautiful, beautiful way. My, my second experience that that feeling was far more intense because I, I didn't have a facilitator the second time. It was just me. And it became so intense that I, it went, it transitioned from, wow, this is beautiful and amazing to, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. Like my, my heart's going to explode. My body's going to come apart at the seams. And so there was fear associated with the second experience because I, I, thought I was going to die. My body, I just didn't think my body would be able to handle all of that energy that was coming into me. Yeah. Wow. 
And something I picked up on that I really want to, I want to dig deeper into this because I think this is a cornerstone of what we're talking about is how this, this woman, she said that this is the part of the brain that dies when you have a near death experience. And, and I can say that from my own near death experience, you know, I've had a near death experience and an out of body and then near death, like the next day, all of a sudden I wanted to go meditate. I wanted to read books. I wanted to get into Buddhism. It was like all of a sudden, all this spirituality just like fled my life. And, and soon I was having more out of body experiences. And also like, I think I've been hiding it for myself for a long time until recently, but like more of that mediumship, that channeling, that kind of, um, other abilities, right. That ESP, if you will. And like, I've experienced that. Like, I think a part of me died in that experience of like, now I'm open to this. And and I just want to get, like, I want to dig a little bit deeper and get your take on like, when she said that, I mean, what was like, what was that like? And like, what are your thoughts on that? It was pretty astounding when she said it because she was, she was confirming for me this belief that I'd had since I was 18, that not only does, does God exist or the divine exist, but that we have the capacity to penetrate the, that veil that appears to separate us from the uh, divine to have experiences. And it, as I've thought on her words since then, that there's a part of the brain that dies during the near death experience that, that allows the veil to part as it were. Um, it has caused me to think that we have the capacity to reach through and experience God in much more real ways than we imagine now, because it's, it's something like you mentioned that once you'd had the experience, once the door was open, you didn't have to die again to get back there. You could use meditation. You could use other means to, um, to allow that part of the brain to settle down, to quiet, to turn off momentarily so that you could commune, so that you could have those experiences. So one of the things that's jumped out for me is that that concept means that it's possible not just for one or two people to have these experiences, but it's possible for humanity as a whole to have these experiences, that we don't have to die to get there, that there is a better way and that each one of us has the capacity to come into the presence of the divine, to have our own experiences, to have our own understandings, so that we're no longer having to be limited by the filters of the traditions that we've come out of. Wow. Gosh, this is so, I just love everything you're saying and talking about in this conversation is just really lighting me up because this is, this is like all I think about is consciousness. So thank you for being here today. And it's like something, um, I think that that goes like, I want to ask you even more is, is obviously like, I want to get into what you saw or experienced. Um, but like, what are other ways people access this? Because I think, you know, we've mentioned psychedelics and, and, you know, we don't have to go there. And I, I think it's a, for me, I think it's a way to look through a window, but you're not really able to walk through the door and like work there. So I don't think it's like, for me personally, it's not the best avenue, but there's meditation. There's a lot of the, the ancient, um, like dancing. There's so many different ways of getting into that altered states of consciousness that the veil falls apart. And now we're like this entire like light being that is so beautiful. Right. And I'm just curious on 
everything you've read about near-death experiences, all, everything that you've worked on through this out-of-body stuff, if there's like other ways to get here besides um, maybe it all is out-of-body experiences and just a different avenue to get there, right? Right. The nice thing about the near-death experiences is it gives credibility to the experience. When you can look at somebody's medical records and say they were clinically dead and there's no brain activity, then in that instance, the fact that they saw anything or remembered anything or had any experience at all, it suggests that there really is something outside of this body, that there, there is a reality that goes beyond the functioning of the brain. And so if you can get to the point where you then accept that there is a reality beyond this one, then we can start asking the question, is there any way to access it without having to die? Because really the dying part is just, it's just what gives it credibility. It's just what gives it um, believability in our society that somebody actually had an experience, that their experience is legitimate, that it's real. Uh, you know, you bring up the psychedelics and, you know, for none of my experiences uh, that, that have happened in the recent years, none of those happened through psychedelics. Um, but our culture tends to look at experiences that people have while on psychedelics and dismiss them. And that's not necessarily the way that all cultures have seen them over time. You know, the indigenous cultures uh, thought that psychedelics could be a very real way to access the spiritual realm, to receive communication, to receive understanding. Uh, like you, I feel like there are limits to how far you can take the psychedelics. Um, they're not my particular path to accessing the divine, but uh, they have been useful in other cultures in the past. I, I find one of my favorite means to to quiet the mind and to create more space is through meditation. The, the confusing part or the potentially confusing part of all of it is that we tend to define an experience as either in the body or out of the body, as if there is only two states that you can be in and nothing in between. And in my experience in the out of body experiences, they are very much like experiences that you can have routinely in meditation, except that they're coupled with an intensity that's not normally present. But that just by quieting our minds, we can become aware of an intelligence that is greater than our own. We can receive guidance, we can receive inspiration, we can receive direction from those on the other side. Uh, and it typically... For, for many people like myself, or, or perhaps like you, it takes a catastrophic event before we will open ourselves and allow ourselves to receive that communication. But it's my experience now, looking back, that everybody has this communication, that it's, it's going on all the time around us. We just haven't allowed ourselves to let go of the way that we think about our physical world for long enough to start hearing, to start feeling, to start seeing. And so the difference between what we might call an out-of-body experience and just normal communication from the other side is just a matter of intensity. There, there is a, a deeper love that is felt in such a way that you stop questioning whether or not it's real. There, just, there is nothing outside of the love 
And therefore your whole being just accepts things as they are. Oh, wow. I love that. And I totally agree with the intensity because I think the intensity of my out-of-body experience was, uh, it was traumatic for me. I'll be just be straight up and honest. It was really hard. Like the Kundalini rising, all of that stuff was just really, really intense. Um, and, and I, I want to, I want to go back a little bit to something you said way earlier. And I just want to hit on it just to make sure, cause, cause it's such a validating point for me of, um, when I had this out-of-body experience, you know, there was no psychedelics. There was no nothing. I'm just meditating for hours and hours and hours. And I remember, just like you said, I, I, I think I, I, in a way, I was praying, and I just said out loud, like, maybe I said God. I'm totally not. I can't remember the exact words, but I remember I said, Universe or God, can you please open my third eye? And it was just like, bam! It was instantly after I said that out loud, I was completely launched out of my body. Um, and it was like this terrifying, like holding on to like the body as hard as I could, but I still just phew, gone left. Um, and, and that experience, you know, we can talk more in depth than like what we saw. And, and I guess I would love to just, I want to preface my next question with this. Like it was an answer to a prayer, even though it was super intense and traumatic. I'm so happy I prayed for that and it happened. And so I think our intentions are what we desire through this practice is, is what's so important. And yeah. what I want, yeah, go ahead. If you, if you want to respond to that. So I agree with you. I agree. I mean, I mentioned that before being introduced to this lady, I mean, there was something that moved her to reach out to me. She felt like God was telling her that, that she needed to talk to me and help me have this experience. And I had been praying very directly for this experience. So, I mean, there, there was an intention. There was both, inside me the belief that it was possible and the the conscious request of i i would like this experience and probably with with your experiences you're talking about you know asking to have your third eye open um it's not like you're there throwing a temper tantrum and saying i need this my third eye open right now there but it's there's just a a gentle nudge that you're sending out into the universe saying you know what I think this experience would be beautiful. And if this is, if this is in my highest good, then let it happen, let it open up. And to the extent that you allow that possibility into your heart and you make the intentional suggestion to the universe, whether that's through words or through emotions, I, I, I don't know that it matters necessarily how you make the suggestion to the universe, just that you do of like, gosh, that would be really fun. Um, I'd like that, that, at that point in time, if there is any part of that experience that's helpful for you to have during this journey that you're on, then the things in your life are going to line up. And that's what I found is that there's no one, um, there's no one way that the experience has come on. In fact, there's a whole field of research that's opening up now outside of near-death experiences. It's called spontaneous out-of-body experiences. And the idea behind spontaneous is that they seem to come out of nowhere and are not necessarily related to any other way that, that um, the out-of-body experience unfolds. And so in my case, I got introduced to somebody who helped me have one, but I had a series of others after that. You know, another one um, where I, I was alone praying and, and basically said, God, I just I want to open my heart and completely surrender and just receive fully. So very similar to your third eye petition, 
Uh, and still another one uh, was during an energy healing session. Somebody was doing Reiki with me and it opened up. Um, and another one, I was in India at an ashram with, with a Hindu guru and the Kundalini was flowing and, and it spontaneously opened up. So this idea of spontaneous out-of-body experiences, the, the emphasis is on spontaneous, but I do believe that our intention does make a difference. That if we allow the possibility, because I, I really believe that our minds are structured such that we can shut down the flow of divine energy, the, the flow of divine energy and information. And so if we are saying to ourselves, this physical world is all that exists, and I don't want to know anything else outside of that, um, it, it does seem to have an impact on our ability to receive it and see it. So just allowing the possibility and then asking, softly asking of if this is good for me, let it happen. Oh, that's so powerful. And, and, uh, I, I think what you're saying is so true of, and I think society, family, religion, there's a lot that has taught us how to shut down the divine communication. And I think it's so beautiful that there's, there's people um, like yourself that are open and willing to surrender, like you said, truly surrender to the experience of the divine energy of, of really like, this is what this podcast is about. This is our sacred ancestry to connect with this divine energy. This is um, the entire conversation about this podcast because it's, it's our, it's our human right to connect with that in my mind. And, and I want to, I want to ask you, like, I, I want to get to the juicy stuff. Like I want to get to like your first out of body experience and really um, like if you're, if you're willing to go in depth on like kind of what that was like, like what you saw, what you felt. Um, I think the audience is like, they're ready to hear about that. Like, please, what, what happened? Like, tell us. Right. And, and I, I think that would be beautiful. I mean, you can just jam on, um, kind of what we both have experienced through near death or out of body stuff. Right. Okay. So in my book, I talk about five different experiences that I had. Um, the first one with the woman who died in the plane crash, it was, um, the, each, each one was completely unique and unlike any of the others. And in such a way that there's this feeling, at least for me, of having come through and seen something or experienced something in such a way that at first I'm like, wow, you know, my, my beliefs are validated. My, my, I, I have this deeper understanding. And so now I, I know what I'm talking about. And then to have more experiences where I'm shown more beyond what I thought I knew. And then to realize, gosh, I, I really don't know anything at all. <laughs> and what I really need to do is just get really quiet and humble and just open my heart and say, okay, teach me. Because anytime that I try to put up a, a definition of what's going on, on of what's going on on the other side, I end up limiting it in a way that makes it harder for me to learn. So anyway, in this, this first experience, uh, the, the initial experience was one of me going into, as it were, the molecules in my body and just seeing the space in between the physical molecules. You know, we, we often think about like molecular structure, the way that we see planets in orbit around the sun. Like there might be a nucleus like the sun and there's these planets that represent um, electrons and that's how an atom looks. But as I was going down into the molecular space, 
what caught my attention was not the nucleus. It was not the electrons. It was the flow of information and energy between all of these particles. It was the flow of information and energy from which the particles arise and have their being. <clears throat> and this actually ties back into something you asked earlier about quantum physics, is this idea that when you get into the quantum space, matter ceases to act and behave like matter. And it actually becomes just a wave, continuous wave and flow of information um, that only collapses into what looks like matter when there is conscious observation. And so before I had studied any of the quantum physics, I'm here having this experience, looking at this um, sea of information, as it were, and seeing how my body is arising in conjunction with this sea of information. And I'm understanding that my body, like there, I think there are things about each of us that if we look at our body, we look at ourselves in the mirror, we say, I don't like that part of me <laughs> or, and, and beyond even just the physical features, like emotionally, that, that there are certain emotions that we struggle with or weaknesses that we have in interacting with other people, whatever it may be, that there is self-judgment. And what I was seeing was that all of these things, whether it was my physical body or my emotional body, that they were all arising in exact replication of what my heart was asking them to be and do. It was like my heart was sending information into the sea of light, and then out of the sea of light was coming the convergence of matter, like the collapse of the quantum wave function, the, 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 down into a specific particle. And so the first thing I saw was that I was... I was withholding love from my body, from my emotional self, from the world around me through judgment. And that what my body really needed was love. It was to be honored, to be acknowledged of it showing up exactly the way that my inner space, the divine space within me was asking it to show up. And so it's being perfectly obedient and I'm hating it for its obedience. And so this first feeling is, Stop hating it because it's doing exactly what you're asking it to. Instead, open your heart and start loving everything in your space. <clears throat> start loving your body, start loving your emotional space, your mental space, all of it. Because when you love, you open your heart and that energy that I was seeing flowing between the molecules starts to flow and starts to heal those spaces that what we all need is love, not hate, not judgment. So that was a first understanding. And then the next thing that came in in this first experience is I had a memory come back from before this life. And in this memory, I, I was not in a body per se, but I, I was still in a heavenly space. And in this heavenly space, I was interacting with Jesus and with God. And this memory... Um, there was, it was just this joy, this, this um, euphoria that filled my being and seeing, wow, like there was this intimacy between myself and between Jesus and between God. There was a, a sense of deep, deep connection. And I, I don't know that there really is a word to explain it, but in that memory, Jesus was laughing 
And I remember the thought hitting me of, wait a minute, Jesus laughs? Because in all the scriptural teachings that I'd seen, he's, he's like crying or he's mad at people or, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever's going on there. But it was just this, this crazy idea to me that was totally different from my, my religious understanding at the time of he laughs. And that laughter was so beautiful, so healing, so loving. And the intimacy of that connection, as I'm feeling into it, and I'm feeling my heart expanded wide open, just as if you could just take the doors off and this light is just pouring out. And there was a sense of recognition that how I saw the world up to that point in time was completely wrong. Um, there was the words just came into my heart all at once. There is no judgment. So, so coming out of the, the previous experience of like, gosh, I need to love my body. I need to love everything in my space. And then going in, into this next moment of having a memory come back with Jesus and with God and, and realizing there is no judgment, that judgment's like a, a human thing. That's what we do in this world. We judge each other. We judge ourselves. And all that judgment creates hurt. It creates fear. And it's the hurts and the fears that keep us from feeling this amazing divine love. That if we could just let go of the need to judge ourselves, to judge others, that we could experience divine love now. We don't have to die and get to the other side to feel God's love. We can feel it here right now just by letting go of all of this judgment that we've been carrying. So that was the next understanding. And from there... Um, I was brought into the presence of several angelic beings. And these angelic beings, I understood, were there to, to help me make sense of my religious life, like the time that I'd spent in my religion, the amount of effort that I'd spent into it, the, the devotion I'd, I'd had. And they started asking me questions about um, my religious practice. And th these weren't like, um, they're not the kind of questions that I'd always imagined that you'd be asked, you know, that you're going to get up there and, and somebody's going to be looking at you like a, a judge or something with a gavel and saying, Hey, <laughs> what did you do? And did you do it right? Or did you do it wrong? And, and that this, it was going to be a, some nerve wracking process. This was more like being in the company of my dearest and most intimate friends who were saying, who were helping me make sense of my life to see the beauty of, in all of the things that had not gone well <laughs> because we each have those moments right we have those those times where um we think wow i wish i hadn't made that de that decision <laughs> or i wish i had not gone to that place so that this other person would have abused me in such a way um we are full of those moments where there is pain that's weighing us down and they were helping me make, make sense of that pain and helping me see the religious symbols in a way that I could open up. And they were asking me what it was that I truly wanted. And my response to them was, and it's interesting because we think that like maybe on that side, we'd behave the way that we behave here, but we don't because we have, we have different questions, different things matter to us on the other side. But the thing that mattered most to me there was this remembrance of God's love and saying, I want to feel that on the earth. I want to feel it and I want to be part of helping others feel it, to let them know that it's possible, that this is a reality, not just in the hereafter, but in the here and now. And so that experience continued to open up. Um, and 
I, I could keep going, but I, I would like to have a chance maybe to get into some of the other experiences if that's um, where you'd like to take the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to just kind of have a couple of thoughts here as, as we transition to that next experience. And I think what you were talking about, the molecules and going into that quantum field, if you will, like this is this is so awesome because it's like it's blowing my mind in such a good way of like the like the heart math institute this is what they talk about is opening up your heart like so much like loving everything in your environment <clears throat> and and i think what i was like really gravitating towards and hearing is like the dr joe dispenza retreat research all of that stuff that is like showing the crazy amounts of um, like brainwave activity, like beyond off the charts, like when people are having mystical experiences and when they encounter this divine light, this divine healing, if you will, all of a sudden the, these people have these spontaneous remission or these spontaneous healings. And I, and I, I just wanted to, th I wanted to put that one piece in there because I think that's like, there's research that's talking about this. That's like validating your experience. And I, I'm, I'm sure you've probably researched Dr. Joe Dispenza and the heart math and all that stuff. But, um, you know, um, I would love to hear more about your, your next experience. Cause I'm sure it just gets even better. So I love that you brought up Dr. Joe Dispenza. I have been to one of his advanced retreats. I've, uh, you know, read a couple of his books and when I was at his advanced retreat, um, listening to what he was describing about manifestation and the, the quantum world and other things, there was a point where he went really deep into the structure of, of how our intentions impact the world and bring back to us what we send out. And I thought, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody put into English language my experience on the other side. And, and, and specifically the second experience that I had um, where I was, I was shown the principle of manifestation before I had been taught manifestation. I'm still coming out of a Christian mindset. If you, know, you pray to an external God and that external God, uh, if he's having a, a good hair day, you know, grants your blessing. <laughs> um, but that, that's not what I was shown during my second experience at all. And and I had not quite found vocabulary for it to even describe what I'd seen until after I went to the Joe Dispenza workshop. And then it was like, wait, he's, he's got it. He has seen the same thing or maybe not in the same way, but, but he understands the same principle that I was shown on the other side. So, uh, definitely a worthwhile read. Um, you know, some of his works like you are the placebo, absolutely love it. Anyway. So in my second experience, this was my, my longest, um, you know, I was on the other side for several hours and if to the extent that someone's been in that space, learning happens at a different rate than like in our normal body, because our minds aren't limiting us and demanding that we have to logically assemble the pieces in order to understand something. And so I, when I found myself out of my body in the second experience, again, that same pins and needles feeling where, where the energy in, increased so much, it just felt like my molecules are going to rip apart. And then the explosion of my heart where I found myself out of my body in this beautiful light, um, where the joy 
the love that was present was just, it was intense. Like I, I could not stop weeping. And this feeling of the love was so powerful that if my body had been present, that, that the atoms inside of it, the molecules would have come apart. It just couldn't have handled it. And at the same time, there was this recognition, like that there was understanding for every event in my life, just like divine understanding of looking at things and going, oh, that's why that happened. And that makes so much sense. And even before I could ask a question about it, it's like the light around me was anticipating the answers before I asked the question. And I, it would take me into almost like an experiential answer where you're living the information. You're becoming the information in a way that it just, it completely absorbs you. And where it, it, everything's very clear but to the extent that I had questions on that, those questions would be answered. And, and so it felt like my mind was going in multiple directions and having multiple conversations with the light and all of these answers coming in and being understood in a single moment. And so to say that you're on the other side for a few hours, it, it doesn't convey the type of experience that unfolds because you're learning at a rate and in a way that just isn't possible in the physical body at this time. And so, and I'm going to, to skip ahead to a few parts because we talked about the Dr. Joe, um, the, the stuff that he's working on a little bit. And during this experience, I was led into the presence of Jesus, then into the presence of God. And then God um, asked me if I wanted a tour of heaven. And, you know, in most of the near-death experiences that you read, somebody gets a tour, they get to go see buildings and places and people. And, but that wasn't my experience because as a scientist, what my real question is, the question of my heart is how does it work? Why does it do what it does? And so he took me into the light. So not, not into a city or anything like that, but into the light itself and just showed me this light that was in everything. It was in me. It was in him. It was like, and, and for lack of a better word, this light was God. It was the divine. It was, it was the, the substance from which all things arose and had their being. And as he showed me the light, he showed me that whatever I put in my heart would go out into the light. And as, as he was teaching this, uh, it was like a real-time experience where his words would come into my being, into my heart, and then I could feel them as they would move from my heart into the light, like they communicated with the light. And I could feel the energy of them as they would move into the light. And then the light being intelligent and loving would then take the information that I had just put into my heart and bring it back to me. And in this instance, God was showing me how there is no end to heaven, how it keeps growing, how that you can be in that space and continue to have joy erupt in newer and more beautiful ways. And so as he spoke, these words went into my heart, they went out into the light, and then I felt my heart explode all over again, as if I had never known love or joy or anything of that nature. Um, it, was, it was real time experiential learning that we impact what's in the world around us. And then he showed me what looked like a painting of my life, but it was a three-dimensional painting. And I understood that the colors represented the creations that I was bringing into being, like, like my relationships, my job, my 
the way that I interact in the world, the kind of opportunities that were coming. And he was just showing me this creation. And he was showing me that I had a role in creating it and that there were parts of the painting that weren't colored yet, that didn't have light yet. And he was showing me that I could bring color into the painting by opening my heart and feeling what it was that I wanted to create. He was teaching me manifestation. I just didn't know what that was at the time. And so when I came back from this experience, um, as you noted, like you, you have different um, faculties that are open that don't shut back down. And one of those for me has been to hear, to hear those that are on the other side, they keep, they talk. And (laughs) in fact, getting them to shut up is the problem, right? But (laughs) so they, they talk and they explain different things that are going on in your life. They, um, and, and for me, they would instruct me in how to start using this principle, how to start manifesting, how to start creating things. So this all was, was a very real part of the experience for me. Wow, that is so amazing. Like, thank you so much for sharing. And, and something that really popped out here is, is one, I want to, I want to ask you again, what you think the light is like, I know that's like a, that's a really big question, right? But what I also want to ask you about is um, like, it almost sounds like your heart exploding became, or this joy in the way God was explaining this of, it almost sounds like mathematical fractals. And that's something for me, I'm really close to like sacred geometry, just from my experiences, sacred geometry and fractals. And it almost seems like this joy, this ever expanding um, heart explosion is really a fractal. And I want to get your thoughts on, on that idea as well as kind of what is this light? Like, is it pure consciousness? Is it God? Is it like, um, gosh, that is, a, I know that's a huge question, but I want to get your take on that. So I don't know that I'm qualified to answer the question on the fractals. <laughs> I, I don't know enough about them to really, to draw a comparison or analogy there. i and I, I've heard people that, um, you know, get into sacred geometry and get into fractals. You know, Dr. Joe even talks about um, using fractal patterns as a means to kind of help open the heart, to help have an out-of-body experience. And I, I don't disagree with that. Um, there is a certain feeling when you're looking at uh, like kaleidoscope of fractals that that does seem to suggest to the body that it wants to, to, (laughs) to have one of these experiences. And so I'm open to that. Um, I just don't know that I have anything really to add to that conversation on fractals as to what the light is. Uh, the light, it, I mean, I would have called it God because out of my tradition, that's the word that I have. And yet I don't know that it's, it's, it's a a hard to use that word because there are so many definitions that people have assigned to it in so many ways that they've limited that word, that it's insufficient. It's simply insufficient. And so the light for me was nothing but love. And again, having said that love is insufficient, but, but for me and having this experience and then comprehending like, whoa, this is love, um, in that deeper meaning of love, that divine sense, um, the light was love. 
and everything was love everything and and this goes back to your your statement about the heart math institution where they're talking about opening your heart to everything and loving everything and there was this realization that everything in our surroundings like you know the 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 floor beneath your feet the people around you the emotions that you're struggling with all of it is made out of this light all of it is love but we have been twisted in our way that we see things to where we cannot see that love from one moment to the next. Instead, we perceive it as pain. We perceive it as hardship, as difficulty. And being the divine beings that we are, that hardship, that difficulty, that pain, that belief that life is pain gets sent out into the light and brings back to us more and more experiences that continue to reinforce that illusion. So when we talk about waking up, when we talk about undergoing this kind of a journey, what we're really discussing is seeing past that illusion to where we can recognize everything in the world around us as love, where instead of shutting our heart down to everything that's showing up, we start opening our heart. It's a reversal where we become more and more relaxed, more and more capable of feeling love and peace in all circumstances And then that gets sent out into the light and brings back a very different manifestation. It starts to change the opportunities that are around us, change the people around us, change our experience. But it first heals inside of us as our hearts learn to open trust and surrender. Oh, it's so powerful. Yeah, just amazing conversation and and i want to be respectful of your time like i am i want to keep going i want to hear more about your experiences as long as you're comfortable with your time um with your day and everything um you know we are kind of bumping our time but i I would love to hear the next couple experiences if you're open to that sure so i think you know if, if we're kind of being a little bit more time conscious if i were to to zero in on some of the more salient pieces here um, and then, you know, anybody that wants more, they can always, they can read more in my book. I, I tried to write down as much as I could remember. I had a lot of people go through and work with me to help extract the memories, to ask questions about things that I just hadn't thought about. I mean, you're in the experience and you aren't thinking about all the, the different ways that other people might see it or, or the questions they might want to ask. So anyway, um, one of the other big lessons that I obtained in this second experience is coming out of a Christian tradition, there's a lot of emphasis on the transition of the earth. Uh, In the book of Revelation, it talks about like all of these destructions as the earth goes through its purification and as it goes through it, as it were, like a judgment period and becomes ready to be presented to God. And so I was shown the, I was shown the transition of the earth. I was shown it go from the state that it is now into what we might call a heavenly state, a state where the people that are on the earth can then feel the love of God, can feel that love and express it in all of their interactions. And what I was shown is that the events leading up to that are not set by virtue of the fact that we are divine beings, we are actually participating in that transition. By virtue of the healing that we do, 
or choose not to do in our own hearts, in our own space, we impact what is going to unfold on the earth and how that transition is going to take place. So this was one of the longest parts of that experience that I had on the other side is I was talking with Jesus and he was showing me this transition and the way that he communicates, the way that I was communicated with on the other side is it's not through words, the way that I'm doing with you right now. Um, There is like an energy behind the words. And if that energy on the other side is so prevalent, so powerful, so beautiful, that it becomes more the conversation than the words themselves. And it becomes such that it almost, it's like experiential, like you're living it, like you're seeing it. Um, you're, you're part of the information. And so as Jesus was talking to me, I'm seeing all of this unfold. It's not just the words, it's a revelation. It's, a, um, it's an understanding, it's a comprehension. And so I'm seeing the earth as he's talking about it with me. And all over the face of the earth, I see these lights. And the lights, I understand, are people in all cultures, all religions, who are starting to penetrate this illusion that separates us from God or from this this divine love. And I see some of the lights are brighter than others because they're penetrating deeper. They're going further. And what I see is that all of what we call matter, the earth and everybody on it, uh, it is, it's not created in a bubble. It's created out of this light. And consequently, there are a set of programs, if you would, that are instructing the matter and what to be. They're defining it. It's telling it, uh, you know, what its height and depth and width should be, what its physical characteristics should be. It's defining the limits of the mortal experience. And I saw that these programs were not, they were not set by God like this has to be. It was more like each of us being connected to the divine being, being divine beings ourselves. that we were reinforcing the program and the limitations of this world. So anytime that we started to let go of our own pain and instead connected to divine love, to divine space, that we started to see through the illusion, we started to release the program from how this world is created. And I saw that as more and more people around the world penetrated that space, that the program itself, giving rise to the earth the way we know it, started to dissolve, if you would. It started to collapse on itself until there was not enough of the program left to maintain it. And everybody left on the earth at that time came through into divine love together. They all came through all having this euphoric eruption, this explosion of the heart, very similar to what I was then experiencing with Jesus. And there was this understanding that just unfolded all over the earth. I also saw that there were people in the world at that time who had already begun to purify their space sufficiently that they weren't just feeling their own euphoric reaction, their own joy. They were feeling everybody else's joy in the world too. So it was like an an exponential reaction. Wow, that is such a beautiful vision. And 
so powerful and like there's so much hope in there i think this is what i'm getting from that is that there's just so much hope in this vision of of our planet pulling through of humanity growing and expanding into this um i guess you know what a lot of the ancient cultures talked about was this like raising of consciousness or this next age if you will or or whatever there's so many different ways to talk about this but i, I ascension or all of those things it just it sounds like hope like there's hope for humanity for us to pull together and to remember this divine light together right there is all of that destruction talked about in ancient scripture all of that is the worst case scenario it's there is something taking place in all of our hearts right now that's crying out for awakening and that's crying out for a an end to the injustice that has been in this world, an end to the pain, to the hurts, to the, to the way that people have not been seen or heard or loved. And one way or another, we are going to move through this space. And so the lesson here is that, yes, there's going to be some messiness because we're still human and we're still learning, but it doesn't have to be the way that it has been described by ancient prophets. It is something that we are still co-creating with God by what we put into our hearts. And to the extent that anybody does any amount of work to heal the hurts in their hearts, to open their hearts, to allow the possibility of a better way, that it changes things. And I understood too but this was part of what Jesus was referring to when he said that a little bit of leavening hidden in the meal would raise the whole. So, so like when you make bread, I mean, you, you put that, the leavening in, right? And it's just a small amount relative to the flour, but that's all that's needed to raise it. And what I was being shown is it only took a handful of people around the world having these experiences, letting go of the hurts and the pains in their cultures in order to make a massive difference for the whole earth. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, maybe you can remember the name of this scientific term, but it's almost like there's this, um, this, this mass, like 1% of something takes on this uh, characteristic of the whole, like you're saying about, it. I know there's a scientific term for that and a, a totally scientific idea on that. That's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And we can keep going and more like, I'm, I want to hear more. If, if you have more time, like let's keep going. Otherwise we can wrap it up. Just let me know how you're feeling. Okay. So I think there's a, a couple other experiences that would be worth sharing again, and we don't have time to get into all of it, but um, the, one of the things that in my subsequent experiences, my third and fourth experience in particular, um, I became aware of was that the, the religious structures that we're using in the world, they're, they're incomplete. And one of the reasons why people have the arguments they do over religion, it's that people are having very real and sincere experiences with the divine. And depending on which door you go through to access the divine, there's a different experience waiting for you. Again, referencing the, the Christian scripture in Revelation, um, there is a holy city that is seen that has 12 gates. And after having a few experiences with the other side, you start to realize that heaven 
it has the capacity to communicate literally, but more often than not communicates in metaphor. So if you have a city with like 12 gates, they, they're not necessarily representing a gate, a physical gate. Well, while there may be a physical gate, it becomes more of a symbol of 12 different ways of entering into the divine space. 12 different paths, if you would. And even then, 12 is, becomes a metaphor. It becomes a symbol of a number of different ways. And what I began to experience was to, to have experiences with the divine through different religious perspectives to where I recognize that um, God loves everyone in all of their cultures. There's not an exclusive people like this people got it right and everybody else did not. And more than that, what I saw is that each culture has a particular perspective that is important for the transition of the earth, that these perspectives by themselves are not enough to get the job done. But when you start assembling the perspectives from each culture, now all of a sudden you have the tools necessary to undergo a deeper form of awakening that has the potential to really impact the matter and the space around us. In other words, what I was seeing and being shown in some of my subsequent experiences is that not only does God love and accept people from different religions, but each religion and culture has a perspective that's necessary for what it is that we're about to go through. That the way forward is by us coming together, looking past our differences, looking past our judgment, and being able to see the truths that other cultures have that help enhance our own. No longer looking to other cultures to validate our own beliefs, but rather looking to other cultures to see what they have that can help us be even better at what we are here to do. Wow, that's powerful. That is so powerful to really take in from others and learn. Wow, so many lessons in here, right? Quite a few. <laughs> so so um, where can people find the book? Like where can they get in touch with you or find you on social media? Or where can people, um, yeah, get in touch with you? So the book is Bringing Heaven Home by Dr. Brent Satterfield. And it's available on Amazon right now in either Kindle or paperback form. To follow me, um, I am part of a group called Inner World Movement. And so they can look us up online at innerworldmovement.com. They can follow us on Instagram or Facebook under Inner World Movement. And awesome. so we, we would be thrilled to hear from anybody that wants to reach out and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to hearing from them. Oh, that's so awesome. And, and, uh, is there anything else like I haven't asked you or that we haven't touched on that's like really important that you share with the audience today or anything like that? I think maybe one last thing is that I know for a lot of people that are hearing this information for the first time, there is this question that starts to open up of, Oh my goodness. Wow. That sounds beautiful. And maybe their heart starts to expand, maybe they start to feel something, but they don't know where to start. 
it seems like such a big task to go from being in this world and caring about all the types of things that are in this world to, to having experiences with the other side and starting to purify the hurts from within your own heart. And so to that end, I would suggest putting into your heart just the desire to connect with other people that can help you along the way, to connect with people who are part of your tribe, for lack of a better word, who can help you take the next step. Um, Listen to what your heart is telling you. The biggest thing that I have learned is that the divine communicates with each of us and communicates through our heart. And so we need to learn to start trusting what our hearts are telling us above and beyond all the other voices that are out there. Yes, we can listen to them. We can, we can take it under consideration, but what our hearts are telling us is incredibly important. So listen to your heart and where it tells you to go. If it's leading you this direction, You can connect with us at Inner World Movement, and we are getting together the tools and the people to help support individuals as they go through this transition. So it is one resource that is available, and I just wanted to put that out there. Oh, what an amazing movement that you're a part of. Like, I I can't wait to open up the laptop and check this out. And um, your book sounds so amazing. I think I'm going to pick up a copy and and check it out because these experiences are um, from my own personal experience and just listening to you, they are so profound and they are so deep. It, like you're talking about, it really does change the way we see our reality. And I think that's, that's where the real healing takes place is when we, we change those ideas, those thoughts or those beliefs, our identity even potentially so amazing all the work that you've you've done through the out-of-body experiences and the writing thank you so much for being here today thank you for um sharing everything from your heart just thank you i really appreciate it and um any last thoughts or anything to um to wrap it up here just that the people who are listening to this that they matter that no matter what they've been through what hurts they've suffered, or potentially what hurts they've caused others. They matter. They are loved. Their experience here in this world is important. And that they are worthy of love. Wow. Thank you so much. Such powerful words. So much hope in your vision. And uh, I really hope everybody listening is going to I would listen to this podcast like 10 times because there's so much information. There's so much value. There's so much hope in here and love and and beautiful ways to look at reality and manifestation. And I just hope that we helped you find or get a little bit closer to the divine and connect with your sacred ancestry to that light, to that divine consciousness. So you know, whatever you think you are, you are so much more than that. It goes so much deeper and it's so much bigger. And like Dr. Brent said here, you're so important. So thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. There's an infinite amount of books floating out there in the ether. And all you have to do is tap into your highest self and write it. 
What if you could go out in the wilderness or international trek and experience firsthand shamanic healing, mental emotional release, and write your first draft? Writing a book isn't about the book. It's about the integration healing that that book facilitates, isn't it? Because when the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. And that's an amazing thing. If you've been procrastinating writing your book for years now, you can hear that book screaming for its life every night. Join me for a backcountry breakthrough. You'll experience guided trekking, daily energy sessions, mental emotional release, and writing sessions that guarantee your rough draft by the time you get back to the trailhead. Join me for a backcountry breakthrough. Go to mountainmindtricks slash backcountry dash breakthrough. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash backcountry dash breakthroughs. Writing a book isn't about the actual book because there, there's going to be those obstacles that try and derail you from the actual writing. The key is preserving through the pain of writing every day. The book begins to highlight your emotional deep core wounds in a way that makes you want to quit writing, right? But if you stay on the course, the old beliefs, the old identity of yourself, the negative ways of thinking begin to fall away. And suddenly, a new way of being starts to emerge. This is when the book begins to come alive and write itself. Because in this moment, you aren't writing the book. The book is writing itself as you have this internal transformation. This is the essence of healing through writing. Is your book screaming from the back of your mind? I know mine was. What would happen if your healing journey stopped here? You never got over that final hump. Your regret, remorse from not writing your book was the source of mind, body, future disease. I mean, what would you tell your clients if you couldn't work anymore? Go be healed somewhere else? I mean, what would happen if your business failed because you hold yourself back from your highest self? What would it be like if you regretted the book you never wrote and your last thoughts on your deathbed was, I wish I would have written that book. See, all these things are tragic, but it's possible for you to reach your big dream and be a number one best-selling author. When the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. This is a powerful concept because when books heal the reader, they sell and they go number one bestseller. So I'm starting this movement of healing through writing and using the breakthrough session to release the root cause of writer's block, that procrastination, that loss of motivation when you started writing your book or you had the idea and you never started. There's one-on-one coaching calls, weekly homework and accountability. After a comprehensive health assessment, we build habits and systems and goals to keep you on track. There's MP3 guided meditations, one-on-one hypnosis. And then I really teach you how to get published, how to self-publish, or publish with my company, Mountain Mind Tricks Publishing. Then you leverage your book on podcasts, talk shows, speaking engagements, and you manifest that prosperity and passive income you're really looking for in your business. So I want you to check out BreakthroughWritersBlock.com and join the Healing Through Writing movement. Be the best thing you've ever done in your life because writing a book will completely change everything. So go to BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Again, that's BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Are you a new author that's trying to wade through self-publishing of what category should I pick, find the right designer, get an editor, what about the formatting? What's the dimensions that the actual spine in the book have to be? Is it gloss or white paper? There's so many different things that goes on in publishing. And that's why I'm dedicated to helping indie authors that have gone through this healing journey through writing their own book publish that piece of art, publish that amazing work that could help heal others. And here's the thing, is when a book heals the author, the book heals the reader. 
And this is so huge. I know I say this all the time, but it's so important. And and I want to help the world make a huge impact by spreading more books that heal the reader. So if this sounds like you, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. And if you're wading through, should I publish on Amazon? What about Ingram Spark? How do I get my book into bookstores? What should I do to even launch a book? How do I get on podcasts? There's so many things that go into publishing. And again, that's why I'm here for you. I want to publish your book. So if this sounds like you, go to mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. Again, mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing.